church say amen. Oh, come on, church say amen. All right, take your Bibles, turn with me to Ruth chapter number one. We are continuing in the book of Ruth tonight. If you need a lesson, Johnny, y'all got the lessons? Y'all got the lessons? If you need a lesson, you forgot to pick up a lesson tonight, I want you to, I want you to raise your hand real high and we're going to run like the wind and, and make sure you get a lesson tonight. Way down here on the front. Anybody else need a lesson? We want to make sure you get one so you can follow along with us. Great, great lesson tonight. Going to have a big time tonight, all right? So raise your hand. Anybody need a lesson? Anybody need a lesson? All right, I think that gets everybody. All right, let's look in Ruth chapter number one. We covered the last time we met, uh, we covered verses one through five and found out and, and studied about a family who had left the will of God. They left the place of God and, and you'll find out when you leave the word of God, you'll end up leaving the will of God. And, and that's not a good thing to do and poor decisions were made. Poor, poor decisions were made that, that caused and led to disobedience. It was a downward spiral that went from departure to disobedience to death. And that's the way it normally goes. Departure, say with me, departure, disobedience, and death. So that's where we're at tonight. We, we find Naomi, she has lost her husband. She has lost her two sons. Uh, she has two daughters-in-law now. And this is where we resume our study here tonight. Uh, one thing we need to understand, no matter what decision you make in life for whatever reason, it's the very best thing we could ever do is include God in on the deal. Amen? Amen. Whether it's purchases, whether it's who you're going to marry, uh, whether it's where you're going to work, uh, what you're going to do, man, talk to God about any decision you make in your life. Say amen. amen. All right, let's look in verse number six. Verse number six. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return into the land of Judah. Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that there may be, uh, they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way. For I am too old to have a an husband, and if I should ha say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. Orpah kissed her, her mother-in-law, and Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, Thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and to her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. Whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. Where thou diest will I die, and there I will be buried. And Lord, do so to me, and more also, if aught but death apart uh, thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they went, uh, the two went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out, I went out. And the Lord hath brought me home again. Why then call ye me Naomi? See, the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Father, thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace. Thank you for a word that, that we can share and we can study. And Lord, we can learn what we need to be and what we need to know and how we, how we need to, 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 to apply these things to our life. Because, Lord, there's been many times I've made poor decisions. Lord, there's been many times 
I've, I've made the wrong choices in my life and it led me to a, a difficult place and led me to a disturbing place in my life. And God, I'm glad to know that you're a God who will let us come back. You're a God who will give us a second chance. You're a God who will, who will bring us back into the fold. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help us now tonight. And Lord, we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And all God's people say it. All right. Now let's look at this deal. How many of y'all remember uh, a couple weeks ago when we started this series, started the book of Ruth, uh, we talked about decisions, making decisions, making poor decisions. How many of y'all have ever made a poor decision in your life? How many of y'all made a poor decision and it was painful? That's what we see. We see a family here who has made a poor decision. They took and they went to a place they had no business being. They went to a group of ungodly people, went to an ungodly land, and they left the place of God. They left the place that God would have for them. And in retrospect, you look back and see uh, this situation, and, and man, there's a lot of times we can apply this to our life. There's places in our life where we've made poor decisions. There's times in our life we made poor decisions. There's times in our life we went the wrong way. When we should have went left, we went right. Uh, when we should we should have stopped, we went. Are y'all with me? And here they are with these poor decisions that are being made. And because of, uh, uh, and by the way, by the way, uh, uh, a poor decision doesn't necessarily have to be a big one. But a poor decision will usually lead to a big one. And that's what we have here. That's what we have here. We have a small poor decision that led to a big poor decision that led to disaster. Here we are, a woman who has two dead sons and a dead husband sitting here with three graves in front of them and two daughters-in-law that, 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 what do we do now? What do we do now? She hears that there is bread back in uh, Bethlehem. She hears that back home, back home, they have food now. The famine is over. God has delivered them and, 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 and brought food their way and brought substance their way. And so she decides in her heart, it's time to go Time to go back. It's time to go back. There are, there are places in God's word where we find people had to go back after making poor decisions. Abraham is a great example of this. Abraham, he was called uh, uh, from his father's place and he said, go to a place that I will show thee. And he took him to the nation of Israel and the place of Israel, the promised land. And he said, I will give you this land. I'm going to give you this. And, 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 and uh, Abraham built an altar and communicated with God, called on the name of God. And then a famine arose. Then a famine arose. And because of the famine, the Bible says, and I want you to do this. I don't want to do it. I don't want you to go here now because I want to save some time to get through with the outline. But in your spare time, when you go home, I want you to go back and read in Genesis, uh, in Genesis chapter 13. And, and also read chapter 12. Because in Genesis 12 and Genesis 13, you'll find that, that God called Abraham. And God took him to the place he wanted him to be, to the land that he wanted him to be, and the land that God had promised him to be. And all of a sudden, a famine comes up, and this is what the Bible says. And Abraham went down to Egypt. Anytime you leave the will of God, you're going down. Anytime you leave the place of God, you're going down. Now here's the deal. There was a bad thing that happened. There was a bad situation that they were facing. And because of that, he lacked the faith in God and trusting God that God would take care of them in the place that God told them to be. So they went down to Egypt. God never told him to go down to Egypt. God never put him in Egypt. God will never lead you out of his will. God will never tell you to get out of church and get in the world. Now watch. From that point that he left the promised land and he left the will of God, and went down to Egypt, you don't see any communication with God whatsoever. He never built an altar in Egypt. And from the time he went to Egypt, he kept making mistake after mistake after mistake. He claimed that his wife was his sister. Y'all know the story. I'm not going to take the time. Pharaoh took her and, and God chastised him. And, and by the way, anytime you make poor decisions, don't think you're the only one going to be affected by poor decisions. And then all of a sudden he says, uh, Pharaoh kicks him out of Egypt. You got to go, man. You got to get out of here. And you know what he did? He went back. 
He went back to the altar where he was to begin with, and guess who started talking to him again? I'm glad we can go back. I'm glad even after failures, even after poor mistakes, even after uh, uh, doing things we know is wrong, God doesn't kick us out, amen. He'll just take us back. Sometimes you got to go back. Sometimes you got to go back, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Going back, going back. I would, I would dare say everybody in here has had to go back one time or another in their life. Go back to the place that God wanted them to be. Go back to the place where God uh, touched them. Go back to the place where God helped them. Go back to the place where God blessed them. Be careful. Be careful of making decisions in the dark that you've made in the light. In other words, it's easy to make a decision for God when the sun's shining, uh, but there's another thing when that cloud rolls in and that storm takes place and that thunder starts rolling, that lightning starts flashing, that rain starts falling. When things start getting hairy in your life and you don't know what in the world's happening and why it's happening, it's hard to stick with the decision you made in the light. But don't ever doubt God in the dark what he showed you in the light. It's usually in the dark times in our life, in the difficult times in our life, where we make the worst decisions. I've come to make a policy in my life. If it's dark, no decision making. Let's just put a halt on it temporarily, no decisions. We buy nothing, we sell nothing, we go nowhere till the sun starts shining again. Amen? Till you hear from God. Till you hear from God. Listen. Going back, three things I want to share with you. There were several I wanted to, but for sake of time, let's look at three. <clears throat> Number one, I want you to see her decision in going back. Her decision in going back. Look in, look in verse, verse number uh, uh, five. Five. And Malin and Chilean died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then, y'all see that? Then, I underlined that one word in that sentence, in that, that verse. I didn't underline the whole verse, I just underlined the word then. Because it's very significant to me. Because sometimes we never make the right decision till we've lost a whole bunch. Sometimes we don't make the right decision and, and the decision to go back till we are sitting in a graveyard with three graves in front of us. You say, well, what determines, what determines when we make the right decision? Your stubborn will. My stubborn will. Let me, let me say this. This is not part of the notes, but I'm feeling it, so I want to say it. And I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading this way. Don't ever blame God for what it took to get your attention. Because what it took to get your attention is completely, completely up to us. If whispering with a still, small voice got your attention, that's all he would have done. If smacking you around a little bit would have got your attention, that's all he would have done. There's different levels of discipline in the Word of God. In the book of Hebrews, you'll find out he will scold you. He will rebuke you. But then you'll find out he will scourge you. He will chasten you. And where in the timeline that we make that decision to go back and do what we're supposed to do is solely, completely determined by our stubborn will. Now watch this. This is what I want to show you about the decision to go back. Number one, the decision to go back. I want you to see, A, the timing in her decision. The timing in her decision. She did not decide to go back till she had lost almost everything. I, I, I put the prodigal son story with this and a verse from the prodigal son with you. And, and how many of y'all remember the prodigal son? You know, little spoiled brat. He got, he got everything and he went to his daddy and he wanted his daddy's inheritance that he would have gotten after his daddy died. But he wanted it now. He said, I want what's coming to me. I, I want it now. I want to spend your money before you die. I want to just go ahead and get what's coming to me. And the father, 
he, he said, okay. So he took what would have went to him in his inheritance and gave it to him. And y'all know the story. The Bible says he went to a far country. That tells me he had a good daddy. Because he had a good daddy because he didn't do his stupidity in the same county with his daddy. Are y'all with me? If I ever got that ignorant and that dumb, I would have went to a far country. Say amen. He had a good daddy, so he went to a far country. And the Bible said he wasted his substance with riotous living. I mean, he was living high on the hog. Wine, women, and song, he had it going on. And this is what happened. And when he had spent all, there arose a famine in the land. Y'all know the story. No man would give unto him, and he got a job feeding hogs. A Jewish boy feeding swine. What an outrage. The lowest thing he could ever possibly find himself doing. And the Bible says, when he had spent all, and he never made the choice, and the decision to go back till he had spent all. She did not determine and decide to go back till she lost a great deal. What's the point? My point is this. Don't wait to that. Don't wait till you have to come back empty-handed. Don't wait till Listen, and, and here's, what, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. There's some people in here right now, you're on the verge. You're in places you know you don't belong. You know you ought not be there. And you know God's dealing with you right now. Listen, make, make your mind up tonight that I'm not going to risk losing everything. I'm just going to go back. I'm not going to wait till my husband dies. I'm not going to wait till my sons die. I'm not going to wait till I've spent all. I'm not going to wait till I'm empty-handed. I'm not going to wait till I have nothing left in this life. I'm just going back. The timing of her decision. Then I want you to see this. I want you to see the trigger. The trigger to her decision. Man, this is good right here. The Bible says... Then she arose with her, her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. Now watch this. Read it with me. If you got it on, on your notes here, watch this right here. Watch this right here. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. What was it that triggered her decision? The favor of the father. What triggered the decision with the prodigal son? It said, when he came to himself, he said, how many servants of my father have bread enough in despair? What does that mean? Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. What happens? What will, what will cause a child to come back that's gone astray? When he remembers, when he remembers what he had, and when he remembers that what he left is better than where he is. I need a witness. Oh, we need, to, we need to remember how good God is to us. We need to remember what it feels like to be in the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to remember what the favor of God feels like because I'm telling you, there's going to be times when those clouds do roll in and you're going to need to remember no matter what it looks like in this world, no matter how the devil tempts us, no matter what temptation comes, out here in this world is nothing like what's in the Father's house. Boy, when we hear that there is bread in the Father's house, when we hear there is substance in the Father's house, when we hear there is fulfillment in the Father's house, and everything that the devil tempted us with and everything that we went out there to get has left us empty and left us like Solomon and left us saying, hey, this is vanity, vanity. It's left me empty and without fulfillment in my life. Thank God I know I can find what I'm looking for when I go back to the Father's house. Fulfillment. And blessing, the favor of God. Now let me say this too, in a practical sense, in a practical sense. Uh, whatever you do, if you've got somebody that's gone astray, make it easy for them to come home. And, and let me say this, some of y'all, some of y'all, y'all need to get a, a grip. 
We've got family members that have gone astray, and, and they know if they show up on your porch, they're going to get a lecture. They don't need a lecture. They need you to wrap your arms around them, and they need you to kiss them on the cheek and say, I've been dying for you to come back home. Won't you please thank God you're home? Well, I don't have, you have any Bible for that? Don't you remember what the father did to the prodigal son? He didn't chastise him. The hogs did that. Are y'all with me? Make it easy for them to come home. Make it easy. That's what I want to do at church. People are going to get ignorant and they're going to leave church. They're going to get mad. They're going to get a feelings hurt. And they're going to get sideways because God steps on their toes about something. And they're going to blame everybody in the church and everything. And they're going to go out and lose everything. I've seen it time after time after time after time. Get disgruntled and leave the house of God and go out there and lose everything. And you know what I want them to feel like? I want them to feel like it's a real easy thing to come back to temple. Nobody's going to judge them. Nobody's going to criticize them. Nobody's going to say, where have you been? Nobody's going to do all that. They're going to say, we are so glad you're back. Make it easy. And by the way, by the way, let me say this since it's Wednesday. And, uh, and, uh. Sometimes, sometimes church people are cutting up with people that hadn't been in a while. And, uh, and we say, you know, silly remarks like, well, we ain't seen you in a while. And we're trying to be funny. But it's very offensive. And I'm just, I'm just putting this out here because I've talked to several people that's done that. And they say, well, so-and-so came up to me and said, we ain't seen you in forever. Uh, we, we need to send out hound dogs find you. And, we, and we, we're trying to be funny, and it's not. So don't do that no more. We don't need no comedians in the house of God. Say amen. We just need people that's going to love people and just say, man, we're glad you're back. Man, we're glad you're back. I sure have missed you. That's great. Let's practice that. I sure have missed you. Say it again. That's all they need to hear. Now let me ask you a question. If you've been out a while, if you've been out a while and you come back, and, and, and somebody said a smart remark to you, trying to be funny, and they didn't mean it. And I'm not, I'm not getting on nobody. I'm just saying this is how they, they receive that from people. Which would you rather hear? Would you, would you rather hear, I sure have missed you? Amen. Don't that work better? That was just a commercial. That's not in the notes. But make it easy to come home. Man, that, that, that kid, he knew. He knew, man, I'm starving to death. And what it was, it triggered his decision to go back. He remembered that there was bread at the father's house. And she found out and she heard that there was, there was favor from the father in Bethlehem again. There was bread in the father's house again. And she, this is what she, <laughs> the Bible says it this way. The Bible says it this way with the prodigal son. It said when he came to himself, when he came to himself and he realized that where he had left, was a whole lot better than where he's at. Amen? Now, let's look at number two. Let's look at number two. I want you to see not only the, the decision, the decision in going back. We, we see her decision in verse number six. But then I want you to see the difficulty in going back. And this is why you should never leave. Y'all with me? This is why you should never leave the will of God. Because it's very difficult to come back. This is the way I illustrate it to most people. When, when you leave the will of God, you go out, you go out on WD-40. But when you come back, you come back on sandpaper. How many of y'all that's been away know I'm, I'm preaching the gospel right here? It's so easy to get out. It's so easy to get out. Let's think about it this way. Jeremiah, man, you've been working out, haven't we? It's been a while. But we is going so good. I mean, I mean, we is doing everything. We is getting in that sweat box and everything. I'm talking about we had a plan. We were drinking protein shakes, and we was doing good. And one of us had to miss. We'll just catch up. I, 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 we'll, we'll do it tomorrow. I'm a little sore today. And, and then, and, uh. Uh-huh. Is he laying out on you? Uh-huh. Yeah. 
That's where it starts, brother. Two days. Well, I don't need to read my Bible today. I woke up late, so I don't really need to pray today. Boy, it's raining out there. I don't need to go to Bible study. Little bit by little bit by little bit. And then here's what we get so far away that when we do decide, this ain't good. I'm not in a good place. I need to go. We find it's very, very difficult. You say, how do you know it was difficult? How do you see difficulty in this story? First, we, we see difficulty in her going back by her, write this down, her delay. Her delay. See, I just went to sojourn. I just went to spend a little time. But we found out in the last study that when you get out of the will of God, you're no longer in control. When the, when the, when the tires start skidding on the ice, your steering wheel is of no use. Because now you're out of control. And, and here we are. Uh, 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 she, she said, I'm just going to go for a little while. We're just going to go sojourn. That means just spend a little time. It's just temporary. This is just temporary. I'm just going to get out of church temporarily. I'm just going to miss a little bit. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, that's always the plan, but that never works out that way. So I go to sojourn in verse number one, verse number two, we find out, and she continued there. And then verse number four, we find out she ended up dwelling there 10 years. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this, it's hard to go back. Don't leave. Don't get out of the will of God. Don't leave the purpose and the place that God has for it because it's hard to get back. We see the difficulty in going back by her delay, but then, then B, write this down. We see not only the difficulty in going back by her delay, don't you see this? We see the difficulty in her going back by her deception. Her deception. You say, what in the world are you talking about? Here's what we got. She realizes she needs to go back. She's not in the will of God. She's not in the place of God. She's not with the people of God, so she don't have the favor of God. Now, when you leave the will of God and you leave the place of God, you leave the provision and the protection of God. And she realizes, I got to go back. I need to get back where God wants me to be. I need to go back where God is. And, 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 and in this situation, now I have two daughters-in-law. But what happens? What happens in this story? She goes to them and said, won't y'all go home? Ain't no sense in you coming with me. There's, there's no reason. I don't have any more sons. Uh, I don't have nobody else for you to marry. Uh, listen, won't you just go? And, 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 and this, is, this, is, this is amazing. If you read this and really read into it, she is so far out of the will of God and so bitter against God and so far away, but she sounds so spiritual. It's amazing how, how some people can sound so spiritual and they can sound so caring and so loving and they sound like they've got it all together, yet they're 500 miles away from God. And boy, can they deceive, can they deceive the immature Christian. Watch this. Look at your notes. Something was wrong in the way Naomi handled the situation. She did not want her two daughters-in-law to go with her. If it was right for Naomi to go to Bethlehem where the true and living God was worshipped, then it was right for Orpah and Ruth to accompany her. Naomi tried to influence the two women to go back to their families and their what? I mean, just how, how bad has things gotten and how, how such a stale and broken spiritual state that you would get your own family to go back to false gods. That's like, that's like one of you telling one of your best friends or even a family member, an in-law, to go be a, 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 a cult follower. I want you to go back and be a, be a Hindu or, or go back and, and, and be a Muslim or go back and follow a cult or follow, are y'all with me? This is how bad spiritually she's gotten, but she sounds so caring. Oh, you go back and may God bless you. Is that not what it says? 
may God have favor on you, and may God bless you. Now, she's sounding spiritual, but there's a problem. Why would a believing Jewish, a daughter of Abraham, encourage two pagan women to worship false gods? Naomi didn't want to take Orpah and Ruth to Bethlehem. Now, read this with me. Read the underlying part with me. Because they were living proof that she had and her husband had permitted two sons to marry women from outside the covenant nation. Basically this. In other words, Naomi was trying to cover up her disobedience. If she returned to Bethlehem alone, nobody would know that the family had broken the law of Moses. I don't want anybody to know I messed up. I don't want anybody to know I failed. I don't want anybody to know my sin. Do you know what keeps a lot of people from going back to where they belong and going back to the place they need to be with God? It's because of pride. I don't want anybody to know I messed up. I don't want anybody to know my failure. I don't, and by the way, when most of that happens, everybody already knows. Isn't that amazing? And we want to hide it. We want to hide it. Oh, if I go back, they're going to know what I did. They already know what you did. Most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. You know the crazy thing is? If the church is what it's supposed to be, and temples as close as I believe any church in America, they're not going to care. They just want you back. Yeah, you messed up. So is everybody else. Join the party. Come on. Bro, I was sitting, I was sitting talking with brother. And y'all, y'all may disagree with this, and that's fine. You can be wrong if you want to. Uh, uh, brother Terry Wilson, brother Terry Wilson, he had a, a lady that had kind of got away from God a little bit. She's in the choir and and uh and uh she had, she had messed up on, on Friday night and, and just been hanging around the wrong people. Y'all know the story. I mean, just a typical typical deal. Getting away from God. Well, she gets pulled over for uh, drinking and driving. Just turned her world upside down and just God got her attention. God got her attention. And, and as you can imagine, as you can imagine, a very traumatic thing, she called him. She called him uh, Saturday night. He said, Preacher, said, I'm so ashamed. You're going to find out this anyhow, and, and, and I need to tell you this, and you probably don't want me even at church, much less in the choir. And, uh, and this is what I did. This is, and I, I'm so sorry, and I've asked God to forgive me. And he said, he said uh, have you learned a lesson? You know, how, he's so blunt. Have you learned a lesson? He said, yes, sir. Are you going to do it again? No, sir. Then you need to be in church, and you need to praise God for forgiveness. And I thought, right on. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Most people won't come back because in most places, they've been either judged and criticized to the point. And I, and I know, I know what you're thinking. Oh, well, they need to be. And I... I with certain things, there needs to be a time of, of repentance and remorse and, and showing. I, I get all of that. But I, I believe there's a lot of places, a lot of places that if you do mess up, you're done. And that's why pride will, will, will cause people to not go somewhere where they know that's the best for them, but they choose not to. What's the point? Swallow your pride. And do what you know is right. Because I found out this. The torture and the pain of, of carrying a load of guilt is so much heavier than the taste of swallowing that pride. Amen? Difficulty. It's, it's hard to go back to God. It's hard to go back to God. It's hard to get back in the will of God. Because we see it in her delay. We see it in her deception. But then I want you to see it in her delusion. Man, when I seen this, this was something. One of two things is going to happen when you get out of the will of God. And God has to get your attention. 
Now, God getting your attention is not one of them things because if you are saved, God's going to get your attention. If you belong to him, you might as well chalk it up, honey. You got one coming. Because God's not going to sweep it under the rug. He's not going to say, I'm going to just let that slide. God's not that way. You're not going to hide nothing from him. You may have hid something from your parents, and you might have got away with something with your, with, with, with your, uh, uh, your guardian, uh, but you, you ain't going to get nothing on God. And if you belong to him, the Bible says, whom he loveth, he chasteneth, because he loves you, and he cares about you, and he will deal with you. But one or two things is going to happen. One or two things is going to happen when God deals with you. You're either going to get better or you're going to get bitter. You're going to get better or you're going to get... Now, what's the only two... One thing different in those two words is the letter I. And what determines whether you get better or whether you get bitter is how you respond to his chastening. You can get angry at him. And this is what I see in her. This is what I see in her. She left. She chose, willfully chose to leave the place of God. God comes to her to draw her. And by the way, by the way, all that stuff that happened to her, I believe it was, I believe it was part of it. I believe God tried to send that still small voice. I believe God tried to rebuke them. I believe God tried to get their, their attention. But things just kept on. And here she is now, and she's blaming God for everything. In every statement she made, God has done this to me. God has dealt bitterly with me. God's hand has come against me. God this, God that. Not one place has she said, I am wrong. And this is... This is how bitter she is. This is how bitter she is. When she comes back home, y'all know the story. Orpah goes back, and Ruth says, says, Now, Naomi, I ain't leaving you. And I believe that was God ordained, and I'll explain that in a minute. I'm not going anywhere. Where you lodge, I'm lodging. Where you die, I'm dying. Where you go, I'm going. Your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. I don't care what you say. You can say what you want to, but I'm going with you. I am not leaving you, period. Get that? You got it? Are you, are, do you understand that? Do I need to draw a picture? I'm going with you. And when she realized that that was the deal, okay, come on. Now, now we know we know she didn't want her to go. We know she didn't want her to go. We knew she wanted to hide her sin. We knew she wanted to hide her failure. And we, she didn't want any evidence whatsoever that she had made those mistakes in her life and those failures in her life. And now, as we are going, we see, we see, uh, 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 we see Ruth going with her. Now watch this. So we have, we have two people. We have, help me, we have Naomi and how many people? They get into town. The townspeople see Naomi and, <laughs> honey, you've had a rough 10 years. How many of y'all, how many of y'all, it's amazing. This is amazing. I've seen people, I've seen people that I went to high school with. I graduated in 91, and I've seen people I, I, I graduated high school with the same age as me, but they look like they're 30 years older than me. I look rough anyhow, but it, I'm talking about rough. You know why? The way of a transgressor is hard. And see, th these 10 years have been rough to Naomi. And they said, my goodness, that Naomi? She hears it. And she says, don't call me Naomi. Can't you see? Can't you see? God hath dealt bitterly with me. Call me Mara, which means bitterness. God hath dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but God hath brought me back. Really? 
that right? God hath brought me back. Is that true? No. Oh, but it's just Ruth. Really? I went and jumped ahead and read in chapter 2. And in chapter 2, we find Ruth out there in the field gleaning. And there, there is a sugar daddy that rides up. And his name is Boaz. He just happens to be the plantation owner. Are y'all with me? And he says, who's that? Oh, that's, that's, that's Ruth. You know, that Moabite woman that came back with Naomi? He was asking his servants. And he says, honey, come over here. Let us have a word. And this is what he says. Now, I'm telling you, it's all right there. You can read it. It's right there. What I need you to do, you just hang out in my field. Don't go nowhere else. I've instructed these young boys, they ain't going to touch you. They ain't going to mess with you. You're going to be okay. And matter of fact, when you need something to drink, you just tell one of them. I'll make them get it for you. Talking about flirting. Come on. <laughs> now watch. Now watch. I'm going somewhere. I ain't, never, I ain't run no rabbit. This is the real deal. She sees his favor. And, and she falls down before him and says, why are you doing this? Why, why are you showing favor to me? See, she's a Moabite. She's a widow woman. Women then, it was no class then. The way they treated women in that day was terrible. They were right above animals. Literally speaking, I'm not exaggerating that. So here she is, a foreign Moabite woman, and she's wondering, why are you being good to me? Why are you showing me favor? She's so appreciative. And she, but she says, why are you showing me favor? And this is what he says. Honey, they've already told me how good you've treated Naomi. And they've told me what kind of woman you have been and how, how you have supported Naomi and how you've been such a blessing to Naomi. I'm about to cry thinking about this. And how much you have been an encouragement and a blessing to Naomi, your mother-in-law. But watch this. Naomi is so bitter. She thinks... She has nothing. And God has allowed her to have somebody that cared and loved and appreciated and supported and went out and worked to provide. But let me tell you something. When you get away from God and God has to get your attention and you get bitter instead of better, bitterness causes blindness I got people right now mad at me mad at me angry wouldn't spit on me if I was on fire gone out of my way to support and to bless and help in a crisis time But because some poor decisions were made and, 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 and bad things happened in their life and God had to get their attention, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the worst thing that ever come across this earth. You know why? Because bitterness causes blindness. And when you've gone through a situation where God had to get your attention and you're bitter and not better, you respond in anger and not respond in humility, you're going to get bitter. And then everything, even the thing that is the greatest blessing to your life will seem to you as nothing. 
I know I'm just talking right now, but I'm preaching now. Because you're going to find out, you're going to find out that bitterness will cause you to think things you ought not think. And it'll, it'll cause you to miss some of the greatest relationships you could ever have. I'm not the greatest person in the world, but I guarantee you this, I could be, I could be a good friend. And because of bitterness, they miss it. And here she is, she comes into town, and she's telling everybody, I ain't got nothing. And Ruth's standing right there. I wonder what Ruth thought about that statement. Be careful when you get bitter because you end up hurting the ones closest to you. Say, so how do you know going back's hard? Because look how delusional she is. When you get away from God and you get out of church and you get out of the will of God, you can't see the forest for the trees. And you can't see people that really love you and care about you. You can't see that people are, are reaching out to you. You think they're being critical and judgmental and you can't understand and see that they're trying to help you get to where you need to be. Delusional. Delusional. Does that make sense? But then this is the part you got to get. Please, please get this point. What was number one? We're talking about going back. Number one, we see the... The decision to go back. Don't wait too late. Don't wait till you've lost everything. Don't wait till the till the price of leaving is so much that you don't. Are y'all with me? The decision to go back. Number two, we see the. Can y'all see it's hard to get back when you leave? It's hard to get back right with God. It's difficult. It's not hard, but it's hard. Preacher, what do you mean by that? I mean this, for whosoever shall, shall uh, uh, confess their sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The, the road is not hard. It's getting on it that's hard. God's not up in heaven and, and wants to make you go through hoops and make you go through an obstacle course. God said, just confess it and come back to me. But us getting to that point that we will, that's the hard part. Amen? The difficulty in coming. But now I want you to see number three. Write this down. I want you to see the design in going back. The design. What? How does God orchestrate this and work it the way he does? Because, listen, if you will get this, you'll see God's love like never before. Even in discipline, you'll see God's love. Even when God makes you do something you don't want to do, you'll see God's love. Man, this is great. I know where I'm going. Amen. Even when you can't understand what God's doing and why he's doing it, you'll see God's love. Go back, Ruth. Uh-uh. Go back home. Seriously. Uh-uh. There's no need to go back with me. I don't have any more sons. Uh-uh. Let me tell you something. That was divinely orchestrated by God because of this, because of this. Going back, going back, if you go back, if you go back, God will make you face your failure. If you go back, God will make you face your failure. She was trying to hide that decision. Jeremiah, remind me to talk about the one who wrestled with God. Don't let me forget. All right? Don't come with me. In her mind, she didn't say this out loud, but she's saying, Boy, if you come with me, everybody's going to know I messed up. Everybody's going to know what I did. Everybody's going to know I allowed my sons to marry Moabite women and break the law of Moses. They're going to know my failure. Don't come with me, God says. If you're going back, you're going to have to face it. Watch. Watch this. He that covereth his sins 
shall not prosper. Say it with me. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Say it again. But whoso confesseth, help me, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have I don't want nobody to know. Well, you keep hiding it, and you're going to keep dealing with it. But if you just come to God and say, here it is. This is what I am. This is what I am. And by the way, if you want to get what God's got for you, you got to face it. <laughs> there was a man who was a shyster. He was a trickster. He was a deceiver. His name meant the same. What was his name, people? Jacob. All right. He comes to God in a, in a time in his life, or God comes to him, and they go to wrestling. Seriously, it's in the Bible. Some of y'all look really surprised. I'm telling you, it's in there. You'd be amazed what you could find in the Bible. But wrestling with it. And, and this is what he says. Jacob says, bless me. Bless me. He says, uh-uh, let me go. He says, I ain't letting you go. He would not let him go. Jacob would not let the angel of the Lord go, which I believe is a type of Christ. He wouldn't let him go. I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. Now, now Jacob, you sure? Now, watch this. This is so good. This is so good. Jacob is running from his brother. Or actually, he's coming to confront his brother. Y'all remember, some of y'all ain't familiar with this story. Jacob tricked his brother Esau. Now, Jacob's coming back home because he went away for a season, and now he's coming back home. His brother finds out that he's coming back home, so he gets a bunch of men, and he says, I'm going to kill him. Because the last time Esau, uh, uh, in that situation, he had it in his mind to kill his brother for tricking him and deceiving him. So he hated his brother. And now he's got a group of men coming. And so here, here he is the night before, the night before this meeting, the night before the trickster, the deceiver, comes back to meet the brother who wants to kill him. Y'all with me? And here he is wrestling with God and says, I want a blessing. I will not let you go till you bless me. Now watch this. God said, what's your name? I'm going somewhere. Now if you remember, there was a time earlier in Esau's life, or Jacob's life, when his own daddy, who was blind at the time, and he covered himself in skins to deceive his own daddy. And his daddy said, are you Esau? You sound like Jacob. He says, oh, I'm Esau. You remember? He deceived his own daddy. He was asked, what is your name? Who are you? And he said, I am Esau. He was tricking. He was deceiving. But now he's got a hold of somebody who ain't his earthly daddy. And he says, all right, you want a blessing? You know you're facing your brother. You know you're probably going to die. You know you're scared to death because of what you're going to face the next day. You want a blessing? Tell me your name. He said, my name's Jacob. My name is Deceiver. Before God would bless him, he had to fess up. He had to get right and say, I am a deceiver. I am a liar. I am a trickster. Before God would touch him and bless him, he had to fess up who he was. He said, my name is Jacob. He said, not anymore. Now your name's Israel, prince with God. I'm glad to know we may be a deceiver in the beginning, but when God gets through with us, when we fess up and we just get real with him and we get right with him and we come back to him, he will change our situation. And the Bible says God touched the hollow of his thigh. And he, he limped from then on. He said, I thought he was going to bless him. Oh, read the story. Esau's coming with all his men. And he's coming to kill him. 
But here he sees his brother hurt and limping and coming to see. And God touches his heart after he sees the condition of his brother and changes his mind. Are y'all with me? So what's that story got to do with this? Until you fess up and face your failure and face, listen, the disobedience and just say, God, this is what I am. I hate this. I hate everything about this, but this is who I am. This is all I got. This, I, I'm just being real. Now God can do something for you. How do you know? This Man, this is good right here. I'm telling you, this is good stuff. Naomi thinks, Naomi thinks that, mm, I don't want you to go. Everybody's going to see it. And probably in her mind and head, she's getting really frustrated. All right, come on. She, she, she's just thinking this is going to be a bad experience. But you see, God is not just concerned about her present position. God is looking down the way. Man, when you get this, the very thing that she was trying to push away, God kept in her life because in just a little while, Ruth was going to meet Boaz. Boaz and Ruth was going to have a baby, which would bring Naomi an heir and would provide Naomi the support she would need the rest of her life. What's the point? That very thing that you, you, you're trying to disregard. Jeff, can I use you for illustration, please, if you don't mind? Brother Jeff stood up here a couple weeks ago and just laid it out there. This is what I did. This is how I did it. Let me tell you how I got away from God and I came back. And here this situation, this, this, this Ruth in his life, this evidence of his failure, you see, Ruth was a result of Naomi's failure. And the very thing that Naomi was trying to get away and trying to avoid and trying to just disconnect herself from. Y'all with me? The results of her failure. She tried to disconnect herself from, but God would not let her do that. She had to face her failure, but God used that result to be the greatest blessing in her life. Amen. And some of y'all have made failures in your life, and you just want to get disconnected from them. You don't want anything to do with it, but it might be that God allowed you to go through that, that failure in that situation, so he could take that and use that in your life so you could find your ultimate destiny and purpose for him and God can use it to be the greatest blessing in your life. Amen. I sat in that chair right over there where Wild Bill's sitting uh, in the third service. And over here, I think, in the, in the first two services while Jeff was speaking the other day. And in my head, God said, that ain't no car salesman. That might be what he's doing temporarily right now, but there's no way in this world God's going to allow him to go through what he goes through and not use it to change the life of countless, countless thousands of people. Because he was willing to say, okay, Ruth, come on. I might have to face it. I'm going to just be real. It is what it is. God, here I am. Here's my failure. Here's my mistake. And God is the only one who can take the results of your failure and turn it around to become the greatest blessing in your life. The very thing that you thought the devil's going to kill you with, 
and destroy you and leave you in the greatest depression, God can turn it to be the greatest blessing in your life. Are y'all with me today? You see, ultimately, ultimately, God has got your best interest at heart no matter what it looks like he's doing to you. Did y'all catch what I just said? Ultimately, God has got your best interest at heart no matter what it seems like he's doing to you. He's killing me. I'm dying here. Well, it might just mean that God's got a great... And by the way, gave birth to Obed. Obed gave birth to Jesse. Jesse gave birth to... And on down the line, they gave birth to Jesus. I wonder what God can do with your failure. I got God bumps a hog could bite right now. Isn't it cool to know that we have a God so big and so powerful and so great that no matter what your failure is, God can turn it around. <laughs> uh, and by the way, since we're on Jeff, Jeff couldn't do then what he can do now. Because Jeff was not the person then that Jeff is now. And sometimes, just like Joseph, Joseph had a dream as a young teenager, but he wasn't ready for it. And God had to take him through the process of the pit, the prison, or the Potiphar's house as a slave, the prison, then ultimately to the palace. Now the palace was his ultimate destination. But first he had to take him to the pit to empty him. Because it was at the pit that he stripped him of his coat of many colors. His evidence of his significance sometimes God has to strip us of our pride then he took him to Potiphar's house to educate him you see he wasn't ready to rule in the palace yet so it, as my grandma would say he had to learn him some stuff If my grandmother ever moved from teaching you something to learning you something, you've had it. How many of y'all have ever had a grandma say, I'm going to learn you something? Sometimes God has to learn us something, don't he? Then he moved him from Potiphar's house to the prison where he employed him. Put him to work using what he had learned. Because, see, he had, to, he had to practice in the prison what he was going to perform in the palace. Well, that's good preaching, ain't it? And, see, some of y'all are in the pit, and you think God's abandoned you. Some of y'all are over here in a place of education where God's really teaching you something. And some of you over here, you've done, you've done been in the pit experience and you've done gone through the educational experience. Now you're over here getting the education. I mean, and you're employing using what you've learned. But you're still not where God has ultimately destined you to be. Because when he was through with Joseph in the prison, he elevated him in the palace. Don't give up on God. Because whatever it is that God's doing with you, He's doing it on purpose for a purpose. Are y'all with me? Oh, goodness. We're over time. Father, thank you for a word tonight. Thank you for encouraging us that when we do mess up, we can fess up 
and we can clean up and you'll straighten us up. God, I pray that you'll be with some folks out here that's in that process right now. Lord, whether they need to fess up or whether they need to straighten up or whatever it needs to, they need to speak up. You're through with all the phase and now it's time to utilize and use what you've trained them to do. God, I pray that you'll bless us all as we go home. Get a good night's rest. Thank you for keeping us safe through the storm. And Lord, I pray that you'll be with the rest of the country that's fixing to face it. And God, will just glorify your holy name. In Jesus' name we all pray. And all God's people say it. All right, find 15 people you don't know will shake their hand before you leave. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Okay. Uh, we have Mr. Jerry Denson. He's uh, uh, one of our, our members here at the church. He's at the, the, uh, the Veterans Hospital in, uh, in Birmingham, and uh, he's got six blood clots in his lung. That's bad, if you know. That's, that's tough. So, so they wanted us to have special prayers, so let's do that. Let's do that. Father, we come before you right now in, in earnest prayer, and we are all praying together for Jerry. God, we pray that you'll touch Jerry right now. We pray that you'll touch his body. We pray, Lord, that you'll uh, just do for him what the doctors can't. God, I know this looks very, very bad in man's eyes, but God, you're very, very big, and you're very, very powerful, and you're, you're very, very mighty. And I pray that you'll move in his situation. I pray that you'll touch his body. I pray that you'll give the doctors the ability, Lord, to, to uh, uh, clear those lungs. I, I pray, God, that the medicine will be appropriate and right. And God, we'll thank you for all that you do. We'll thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Shake some folks.